time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. I've had more than a few people tell me that I seem to be kind of preoccupied with fear, and they ask me if it's because I've never dealt with fear or whether I'm always dealing with fear, and the truth is somewhere in the middle. I realized that a lot of my life has been spent in fear, and so I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to get rid of fear. And then one day I realized that getting rid of fear really isn't my goal, that acting in spite of the fear of setting fear aside ends up being much more important, which is why I find it so important to be thinking about how fear affects your life. And that's why we're doing this series about fear and getting beyond it, getting on the other side of fear. That doesn't mean that you forever have no fears, but that you find the place where you can move beyond the fears. In this podcast, I want to talk about three myths of fear. And I find that these three myths really keep us tracked. I want you to think about those places where you have fear, whatever they are. Just think of them in, in kind of a broader thing. It may be that you have a fear of something very specific. Maybe you have a fear of public speaking, or maybe you have a fear of spiders, or maybe you have a fear of 13, or maybe you have a fear of not getting the career you want, or a fear of not finding love, or a fear of dying, or a fear of lots of myriad of other things. The thing is, there's always something else out there that can grab your fear. And I want you to use your own place of fear to think through these myths of fear, because how we look at any one place of fear tells us something about all of fear and how fear keeps us down. Now, fear is our friend from way back, but I want to put friend in quotes because in just a minute, I'm going to talk about another way of thinking about fear. Fear has been with us since primordial days. If you look at animals, animals may not have a lot of ways of, of expressing emotions, but fear is a clear one. If you watch a bunch of dogs playing, you'll notice that there is a pecking order, and in some ways it's reinforced by fear, that something is making something else fearful. And the same with staying safe. You know, when I'm out and about running around in the woods, sometimes I have a fear of something being there that's going to be a risk to me. For instance, a few weeks ago, I had a little um, moment, momentary encounter with a coyote. It was at a distance, but it was tracking me as I was running. And that created some mental images of what might happen. Another time I ran up on a snake and I had to make sure that it wasn't a dangerous snake. And so my immediate response in those is a very primordial, very instantaneous fear. Now that fearful moment that I felt in the woods is no different than my body understanding the fear before I go in front of an audience to talk or my fear before I hit publish and send out a podcast or a blog post, that there are always those moments of fear in our lives, and they are all from the same place in our mind. We might create lots of other pieces, but they are all that same location really in our brain, that primitive part of our brain that's looking for the places where we might be at risk. In fact, sometimes because of that part of the brain that's so primitive, sometimes it's hard for us to even figure out what it is that's triggered our fear at that moment. So just for a few minutes, let's talk about these three myths of fear. The first one is that people who do things don't have fears. Now, this is an interesting one for me because I've had some chances of testing this in reality. I've talked to very successful people and found that they had the same fears that everybody else had, but they, they took action. 
I've had a chance to talk to people who were involved in high-risk sport things like base jumping or, or uh, surfing big waves, and I've had conversations with them that let me know that it's not that they have an absence of fear. It's that they choose to go ahead and do those things anyway because they don't see fear as the reason to not do something. But we somehow have this belief when we look around that when people are at some point of attainment, that they are beyond the fear. And yet we know from Hollywood that even well-established, very respected actors and actresses have stage fright. They're fearful to be on camera, fearful to be on stage, even though they do it every day. It's not that they don't have the fear, they choose to do it anyway. I've talked with lots of public speakers and trainers and, and different uh, people in, in the world that kind of share their message and I ask them the same question. Do you have fear? I mean, is, is stage something that scares you? Is public speaking something that scares you? And I have yet to have one tell me that they had no fear. Some said, well, over the years it's gotten better. And some say, well, I figured out how to get beyond it. I figured out how to deal with it. But nobody tells me they have no fear. In fact, my guess is if somebody could tell me that they had no fear of sharing, they had nothing to share. Because the more important something is to us, the more the chance is that we're going to have this fear. So it is absolutely not true that people who do things don't have fears. The fact is that all people have fears. The level of a fear is something that can vary. For instance, you might have a fear um, that I don't have, and I might have a fear you don't have, or to a lesser degree. I know some people who can get a very strong bodily response to going up to a high place and looking down. Other people go up and just kind of get a funny feeling in their hands or their feet or or their stomach. I know some people who have to white knuckle it through a flight in a plane, and other people just have a momentary thought about the safety on the plane. Not that there is no fear, but there is less fear. And so people do have different levels of fear over particular issues. But the more important something is, usually the bigger the fear. The more something means to you in general, the bigger the fear you're going to experience. Now, this is a little bit different than like being afraid of a spider. I mean, that, that's not so much about the importance of the spider as much as having kind of an irrational thought about that spider. But I'm talking about things like you know, having a conversation with somebody that you really want to have a conversation with. The more you want to have that conversation, the more the fear you're going to feel of doing that. Or maybe the difference between writing something in your journal and publishing something. There's a different level of fear to that because if I write something in my journal, I'm the only one that's going to see it. But if I say something in public, lots of people are going to see it. And so there's a different level Usually the more important the task, the bigger the fear you're going to fear. That doesn't mean you're not you're going to stay away from that action. It doesn't mean you're going to avoid it. It's just the fact that the more important, the bigger the fear. Now, fear is partly in the interpretation. And what I mean by that is some people understand fear more as excitement. You know, I was talking with somebody who was a base jumper, and I said, you know, does it scare you to jump off? Is that a fear thing? And he said, you know... I could think of it that way. I mean, I have that same butterfly feeling in my stomach and I have the same sweaty palms that everybody else does. But for me, that's just excitement. It's, it's kind of like if you were riding a roller coaster, that's excitement. And so my understanding of that fear that I'm feeling is that I interpret it as excitement. Well, that's a pretty astute ob- observation. 
And whenever we have some level of fear, we always have a choice of saying, hmm, is this about my excitement about this? Because there is no difference in our bodily response to something that's making us fear something and something that's making us excited. In fact, it's the exact same thing in our body. Maybe not in our mind so much because of the words we keep telling ourselves and the interpretation we keep putting on that, but it's the same thing that keeps us feeling that way. You may have heard the acronym FEAR is false evidence appearing real, and that's one way we can understand that reinterpretation. But there's another way that that false evidence appearing real affects us, and that's myth number two, that fear keeps you safe. There's that myth that we have that fear keeps us safe, and we act as if it's kind of a friend to us. You know, it's, it's kind of whispering to us, you got to be careful here. You don't want to do those things because something bad might happen. But the fact is that fear just pretends to be your friend. So what is, what is this fear if it's not a friend? Well, I think it's more like the jailer. Not only that, but it's, it's a very crafty jailer. Because once the, the jailer puts you in your cell of fear, every time you become fearful again and decide not to do something, the cell becomes smaller and smaller. And that's the problem when fear becomes the jailer. The jailer is there to keep you from doing things. So it locks you behind those bars. And so you might want to do something, but you listen to fear, thinking it was your friend, when really all it was doing was locking you away in the cell and making that cell smaller and smaller, because it takes away more and more of your life the more and more you listen to the fear. The more I listen to my fears, the smaller I become. When I become fearful of sharing something important, the smaller I become if I listen to it. Now, here's the trick. Fear is only the jailer when you allow the fear to stop you from doing something. Fear is only the jailer when you actually listen and follow through on what seems to be the risky thing. When you go ahead and move forward, when you set it aside and move forward, then you break away from the jail and suddenly things begin to be more and more free. Sometimes people tell me about courage, and I had a conversation with some uh, Cub Scouts that I've talked about before. My son was a Cub Scout. This was years ago, and we were doing a craft project, as Cub Scouts often do, and I was listening to them talk, and they were talking about this person who had done something courageous, um, and I don't even remember what it was, but it was you know something, a firefighter, or a police officer, someone doing something that was heroic, and they were talking about how courageous they were, and I said, hey, what do you mean by that? What does it mean to be courageous? And all these little boys said, oh, that's when you do something and you don't have any fear. You know, you, you, you see something that needs to happen and you don't feel any fear. And so you go and do it. And I said, oh, see, I think it's a little different than that. Because if you just do something because you have no fear, you're just doing something. But if you do something in spite of your fear, that's courage. Courage is always action in the direction of fear, in spite of the fear, not because of an absence of fear. But the fear has to be there for us to take courageous action, action that comes from our heart, our core. And when it comes from our heart, from our deep place of importance, our level of importance is big enough for us to move beyond that fear. So fear is not keeping you safe when you listen to it. It's just pretending to. It becomes, in reality, if you listen to it, your jailer, putting us in smaller and smaller cells the more you listen. Whenever you give fear any credence, 
It spawns more fears, not less. So whenever we listen to, to fear and we say, oh, okay, I, I've got to be careful here, the next time there's another place to be more careful. And the next time there's another place to become more careful. And so when we give in to fear, when we listen to fear, we live smaller and smaller lives because we are allowing fear to lock us down more and more, to take away parts of our life more and more, just because we've given up the choice to act in spite of the fear. We don't wait for fear to go away. Fear is not keeping you safe. It's only alerting you to something that's important to pay attention to. Sometimes we use fear as what I call the avoidance indicator, that it's something to avoid, something to stay away from, and it becomes the jailer. But sometimes we could use fear as an importance indicator to let us know that this is important, something to pay attention to, something to watch for. And we move in the direction of the fear because it's so important. We're not going to allow fear to hold us back. Which leads us to number three. The bi- another big myth is that fear isn't in my way. You know, we, we often imagine that other people have fears that keep them down. And we often watch other people and we can't imagine why they're fearful of that. Now, I admit that sometimes I fall prey to this. Uh, you know, I talk to people who who talk about their fears of scuba diving, and that's not one of my fear levels. And so I don't understand how that gets in their way, and I can see how it's in their way, but then I miss where fear can be in my way, where sometimes I listen to fear, and there's easy to decide whether fear is affecting all of our lives. One is, is there anything you want to do, but you aren't? That's a big one. I've talked with people who want to write a book, who want to sing a song, who want to run a marathon, who want to start a new job, who want to find someone to love, who want to start a family, who want to buy a house, who want to move to another country, who want to learn a foreign language, and the list goes on and on and on. And when I inquire, why aren't you moving that direction? Often there are some practicalities they put out, but when we boil it down and I push them around and we talk about how you could get beyond those practicalities, it boils down to, I'm scared to do that. I'll leave something behind. I'm scared of the what ifs. And the what ifs is a powerful place of keeping us trapped. So when we say fear isn't in my way, it lets me know that either somebody's not pushing hard into new areas or they're fooling themselves. So is there anything you want to do, but you aren't doing? When you keep boiling it down, do you discover that the reason you're not doing it is because you're afraid? Maybe you're afraid you're not going to be good enough, or you're afraid that it's going to lead you down another path, or you're afraid that people aren't going to like you for that, or you're afraid that somehow you're not going to have enough to get there. Those are all common places that create these fears that have us avoid it. I've had many people tell me that they would love to change careers, but they're afraid that they can't give up the money, that people wouldn't like them anymore, that they would lose their status. Is there anything that you want to do, but you aren't? Begin to look at where fear keeps you there. Sometimes people have another word for fear when they're avoiding things, and that's can't. I can't do that. And they'll give me lots of reasons and lots of excuses. And all those reasons and all those excuses are often based in the fact that fear has begun to talk. It's that little person, little little voice on their shoulder saying, don't do that. Be careful. This is risky. Something might happen here. But when we stop listening, we find clarity. And instead of saying, I can't, the only one that matters of the I can't, I won't. 
And so you have to make sure that you're making a choice to not do something versus giving yourself an excuse of why you can't to do something. Are there things that you avoid? Are there situations that you stay away from? Are there places that you desperately want to get to, but fear keeps you from it? Fear is often in our ways of making progress. In fact, it's the biggest thing in our way of making progress. Do you push into fear? Do you push into that new place? Years ago, my son was going on a ski trip and he got two very different messages. My wife said, don't get hurt. And I said, fall down. Make sure you're pushing hard enough that you're falling down some. Now, there is a place in between, right, of being safe and of pushing the edges a little bit. But when we're not pushing, when we're not pushing hard enough to see how far we can go before we fall, we're letting fear stop us. It's like going skiing and staying on the bunny slope even after you've mastered it because you're afraid to try the next step. So you don't have to go from the bunny slope to the black diamond, but there are different places up the hill you might want to push a little harder into. When we're not falling, when we're not pushing into it, when we're not challenging our fears, fear is stopping us more than we would ever want it to. So as you think about the fears in your life and getting to the other side of fear, finding what's on the other side of fear, remember the myths of fear. One is that people who do things don't have fears. People who do things do have fears. They've just learned to push beyond them. Or that fears keep you safe. That's the second myth. Fears don't keep you safe. They make your world smaller. Fears do tell you you need to attend to something, but they don't keep you safe just because they're there. And the last one is the belief that fear is not in your way. If fear is not something that you're struggling with, there's somewhere else for you to push harder into. There's a new place for you to move towards, and that new place should have a good dose of fear between you and it. It's just telling you that it's important. This is Lee Balkum wishing you a thriving life, not a fearless life but a thriving life as you move through fear to see what's on the other side. You've been listening to the Thrivology Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T-H-R-I-V-E-O-L-O-G-Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Thank you.